0: Welcome back to BeckQL Daily presented by BetMGM, Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. In case you missed yesterday's Beck UL Daily episode, please make sure to check out our podcast wherever you podcast, where our famed Joe Ostrowski went off on Ryan Day, going all pro wrestler, responding to nonagenarian Lou Holtz. He's not 90, but he's close. Uh, you know, as far as uh, the, the back and forth, wondering what in the world we're talking about, why is this such a big deal to Ryan Day when he should be just worried about coaching his football team? I got to say, Joe, when you were talking about Ryan Day being a clown, I really <laughs> was expecting you to go full Chicago, start amazing Bozo references, getting into oh. the college football party bus you now have with six <laughs> buckets and ping-pong balls, you think he's that much of mm-hmm. Bozo the Clown. But here we are now, and Ohio State uh, still is one of the top teams in America, and Notre Dame has come back down to reality, which tends to happen a lot around these parts as of late.
2: Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I was never really expecting them to win that game. I, I thought until Marcus Freeman decided it was better to play with 10 defensive players for two consecutive plays. Um, until with time timeout moment, involved. I, with I, it timeout was timeout involved. Really, <laughs> yeah, I know. It was re- it, it was a it was a good performance. It's not like it was what people laugh at. Oh Notre Dame in a big spot, you know they're gonna get bow straight, boat race. That's not what it was at all. I mean, it was just mm-hmm. that game with, early on, like, okay, we're gonna have a rock fight on our hands. And that's exactly what it was. Three nothing? Three nothing at halftime? I certainly enjoyed it, um, aside from the ten players on defense, but you know, I, I actually think, and I haven't not said this in a very long time because it was beyond time for, for Lou Holtz to get off of television when he was doing a show with Mark May, which I did find entertaining from time to time. But, you know, mm-hmm. come on. He's passed the prime a little bit. But what Holtz said The court there, segment.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes.
2: But, but what yeah. Holtz said there, I thought was pretty important because it's something that people have been talking about now for years when it comes to Ohio State. And he just put it on blast. And it's something that they've been talking a lot of, Ohio State fans have been talking a lot about over the last few years, especially with what's happened in the Michigan games of late. Mm. They're bigger, they're tougher. So Holtz said on a very large platform, hey, Ryan Day, your team's soft. And Notre Dame in the trenches, they're not soft. And that was his case. And he just put them on blast. You lose every big game and your team isn't tough enough, that's why you're going to lose. And obviously, Ohio State ends up winning the game, but I think that's interesting because it's something that a lot of college football people have been talking about for a while about Ryan Day's team.
1: I wonder if Lou Holt's uh, comments fueled Ohio State a little bit because we saw that 65-yard – um, drive, you know, to win the game towards the end. And I thought that Ohio State kind of got pushed around a little bit by Notre Dame in that game. But I thought they did show some grittiness in the end. Do you think mm-hmm. that it was almost like Lou Holtz uh, with his comments? They were like, <laughs> yep, not today. We're going to show you.
0: Everyone had the four fingers up getting ready for the fourth quarter. And Ryan Day brings everybody together and says, hey, keep your fingers up. And let me tell you that Lou Holtz. I, I mean, do the do the kids even know who he is? Like, do no. they hear what he has to say? That's no idea. the point here. There's this, <laughs> it's so freaking disingenuous. Like, I remember uh, when I covered the Alabama-Notre Dame National Championship a decade ago, Kirby Smart, who was the defensive coordinator for Alabama, is like, you people in the media, you you don't believe in us. Like, you're the problem here. You don't think that we're any good. It's like Alabama was preseason ranked number two. We've always liked Alabama. We thought they'd make the national championship even after losing to Texas A&M. There was never a point where we didn't think Alabama was at least going to be there. And Alabama was favored in the betting markets for that game. What are you talking about that nobody thinks Alabama's any good? This is just this contrived garbage that college football coaches do all the time. And the kids don't care. Like, if there is anything that I think is refreshing about Colorado and Deion Sanders and all of that stuff is he doesn't do Mm -hmm. this garbage. Yeah, it is a lot about bravado and all about image in many ways. And, yeah, he coaches his team fairly well, and we've talked about all of that. But he speaks to his players in their language. He talks to them about things that they care about. It's not about all these random college football pundits And all of these things that old school people might care about, but the generation of actual players actually playing the game, they don't care about these things. And I don't know why we keep bringing it up because it's stupid and it's hurting the game.
2: I agree with everything you said. However, I loved what Dan Lanning did. That was so good. And that was so strong. Like he brought it. But you know what's different is he wasn't out there talking about it during the week. Just kept it inside, probably talked about it in practice. Now, that's an example of using what's going on with the other team, what they're saying, as motivation and all the attention that the other side is getting. To your point, yeah, nobody knows who Loholtz is. And he, he's digging for something. He needs something. And I don't think it changes the result at all. It doesn't change. I think you have the exact same finish, right? That's how that game ends up rolling. And Ohio State wins a close, low-scoring game. That That's – you know, there's luck involved too, but I don't think it really had any sort of an impact. What Oregon used as motivation had an impact, and that was clear. I mean, that first half was just unbelievable. <laughs> 35 not the, It was 7-7 in the second half. They were lucky mm-hmm. they called off the dogs. But what he said, I mean, it, it hit home. Like, that was a strong speech and – that was, that was interesting. You know, there are a lot, a lot of conversations going on with the Oregon, Colorado, and I thought social, social media like, was annoying me. But, you know, I'm not someone who's been sick and tired of the Dion, the Colorado story because I think it's good for college football because I think we're at a point in the college football season when a lot of people don't pay attention. A lot of meaningless games before you get into conference play. And we just ended up having a weekend where you had all these top teams pitted against one another, and it was fantastic, fantastic theater. Um, No matter how you feel about Colorado and the people that were just, like, laughing at them, you strike me as a moron. Because do you quickly forget that the win total was three and a half and they won their first three games? Like, let's remember what Colorado was one year ago. And they do deserve a lot of respect, and they deserve some attention. And if it's good for the sport, who the hell cares? Who the hell cares? And then there's also, like, some other parts of the conversation that I really, really hate, that if you are sick of Dion and the whole Colorado Buffaloes thing, like, oh, you're a hater, you're this, you're that, you're telling on yourself, stop, stop. It's okay to also be sick of it because you kind of view them as, like, irrelevant when it comes to the national championship uh, chase, or they're going to be irrelevant when it comes to winning the conference. But um, I'll tell you, I enjoyed the hell out of watching watching <laughs> that game. And, and I, and, and, you know, if you ditched it after the first quarter, I certainly understand.
1: Well, yeah, I loved the scene of the Ducks fans leaving, uh, but I still watched. I was like maybe hoping for some type of a comeback. I still had it on. And I think I definitely agree with Dion's post-game comments where he's like, beat me now. This is the lowest we're ever going to be. You think about Mm -hmm. what they've done through just a handful of games, like the recruiting, everyone's going to want to go there. This probably is the lowest this team's going to be under Dion as long as he's there. Uh, And I, on the flip side, I thought it was great for Bo Nix. Like on that massive stage, everyone's watching. You put up an incredible performance and you're like, guess what? I'm still in the Heisman conversation too, everybody. Look what I just did. And I thought he really took advantage of that opportunity.
0: I do want to circle back to Bo Nix in a minute because I found that Oregon-Colorado game, it gave me more reactions and bigger takes concerning Oregon than I did Colorado. But Joe, I agree with you that if you don't like Colorado, it's not saying anything bad about you. Because look, college football is a sport where we talk about the big dogs all the time. We are constantly talking about Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State and Notre Dame. We never talk about the mid-tier programs at all. So for Colorado to get this much attention this quickly when they haven't done as much as, say, you know, other, like Tulane might be a good example. Like, here's a program that won the Cotton Bowl last year. They beat USC. They're in the group of five. They're off to a fantastic start despite losing to Ole Miss. And it's like they don't get any attention. Whatsoever, We never talk about them, yet they're probably more deserving of attention than say Colorado is, but they're not getting it. And that's just one of many, many examples of a program that when it comes to accomplishments on the field are getting dwarfed by what Deion Sanders and company are doing. So in that respect, I understand the jealousy component to it. But at the same time, I think it's good for the sport that we have such a larger-than-life figure getting our attention and getting us to think about teams that aren't in vying for the national championship. So in that respect, I'm fine with it. But when it specifically comes to Oregon, because now the chatter around the Ducks is that they can very well compete for a college football playoff spot and win the Pac-12, and that Bo Nix could very well win the Heisman. I disagree with all of that. I don't think that Oregon is on the same footing as Washington and USC right now, in large part because despite Oregon averaging more than seven yards per play against Colorado, Bo Nix is only hovering around 40th among all qualifying quarterbacks and predicted points added. That's from college football data. He has the fifth shallowest average depth of target at 5.8 yards. All that offense is trying to do is throw short and have the receivers do all of the work afterwards. And to me, when you face a good defense, that becomes predictable. We do know the importance of physicality in college football, as we talked about uh, concerning Ohio State. I don't know if Oregon has that right now. And I don't know if they have the ability for explosive plays. And you absolutely need that to be able to contend against other fantastic quarterbacks in that conference and other outstanding offenses in the rest of the country, Joe.
2: Bo Nix now fourth favorite in the Heisman odds. He's 10 to one. He's shorter than guys like Jordan Travis sitting there at 12 to one. You know, a quarterback of a 4-0 team. Some very high-profile games already. Two big wins for Jordan Travis. And Bo Nix has shorter odds than him. Uh, some movement. Obviously, guys like Hartman moved down a little bit. He was shortened a week ago to around 10-12. Now he's in the 22 range. But I want to ask you about someone who has not put up terrific stats over the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. But a couple of weeks ago um, – we, we talked about a quarterback of a team that could very well be in the playoff out of the Big Ten. We talked about J.J. McCarthy, and his number keeps yep. dropping. We're all the way down to 35-1 to 1 on McCarthy. They're still undefeated. Nobody was really paying attention to the Michigan-Rutgers game because of all these uh, big ones over the, over the weekend. Isn't he still in the conversation, and isn't that a bit of an overreaction since so much of this is the success of the team?
0: I could not agree more. I think if you're going to pounce on that, you probably need to do it now because Michigan hasn't played anybody so far. They haven't done anything where they should be dropping in the standing substantially. They haven't done anything crazy, but that's kind of how this works with the Heisman is that it's such a volatile market that quarterbacks who aren't getting your attention are going to fall a little bit. And look, if it's all about flashy highlight reels, if that's what this is all about, McCarthy will get his later in the season he will be Mm -hmm. a part of that conversation assuming uh, Michigan continues to win Aaron
1: yeah I mean I think that's a good one didn't he only throw for like one touchdown are his stats there so far or is that Mm -hmm. why you're getting value on him that's why you're getting value yeah so if they take off I think they're on the road for the first time this season at Nebraska so it'll it'll (laughs) be interesting to keep an eye on McCarthy
0: Amazing this late you can have a road, your first road game. Like, that seems I know. to me. I know. I
1: was surprised by but, that. Yeah.
2: yeah, and so late in the regular season, they're going to have opportunities to impress against Penn State, against Ohio State, mm-hmm. and maybe the Big Ten championship game.
0: By the way, Michael Penix uh, averaged at the target of 12.4 yards, top 15 in America. There's a reason mm-hmm. why his Heisman odds are oh so short right now. I think that's absolutely appropriate, and I believe in these Huskies.
2: Um, I want to ask about Florida State. We talked a lot about Florida State-Clemson, and there's probably a luck factor, and I know a lot of people are like, oh, Clemson could easily be 4-0, but they're 2-2. Boy, I see Florida State at minus 150 to win the ACC. I was like, I thought that would be a bit – I thought they'd be a bigger favorite because, you Mm -hmm. know, right there at the top. I know it's so early, but, you know, the big competition, Clemson already with a pair of losses. Yeah, that's very true.
0: This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we go off the board, and we'll also find out if we're rebranding off the board as a Taylor Swift segment. That's right here on the BeckQL Network.